Hello. Well, this week I'm joined by Jonathan Pell, the CEO of Adam Smith International. Adam Smith administers a lot of the UK aid budget in developing countries. I'm speaking to Jonathan just a few days after the UK government, uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson's government, announced the merger of the Department for International Development with the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. There's been a lot of online commentary. The announcement has met with quite a lot of criticism, including from former prime ministers and secretaries of state for international development. I'm interested to hear from Jonathan about whether this merger was foreseen and what the implications are in particular for the UK's partnerships with African nations. So thank you, Jonathan, for joining us this week. Good morning, Marcus. Thanks very much for having me. It's a great pleasure. So tell us, this announcement didn't come as a surprise to you, I'm sure, but to some of us it was a surprise. What's led to this and how consultative was British government when choosing this option to merge DFID with FCA? Yeah, thanks, Marcus. Well, I think the first place to start is to say I think there was an element of surprise for almost everybody outside of the prime ministers in a circle with the heart of this particular decision. I think whilst this merger uh, has been spoken about for a, a long period of time, for it to happen at this time when governments and particularly DFIB and, and the FCO are focusing on the impacts of, of COVID-19, we didn't expect it to happen right now. And I think many within DFID and other suppliers and parts of the UK's international development supply chain also didn't expect it right now. I think the other consideration is there is across governments, or at least defence, diplomacy and development, quite a significant integrated review, it's called. Obviously, this decision has come before the outcome of this review. So, yeah, I think everyone was uh, was somewhat taken by surprise by the decision. So I think in terms of consultation, you know, you've probably read as much as we have around the lack of consultation. And it does seem very much like this decision was made by a small group of people, you know, close to, close to Prime Minister. But there is plenty of work to be done in terms of establishing the new department, its strategy, its structure, how it's going to operate. And, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that over the coming months, we and others in the international development sector will be given the opportunity of what the future needs. Do we have any indication of what might have precipitated this hastiness? I think if you look at the Prime Minister's Global Britain speech from last Tuesday, the justification the Prime Minister put across is that you know, now is absolutely the right time to do this because of the efforts the UK is making across diplomatic work and its development work, which the, the Prime Minister saw as being completely aligned. I mean, there's the World Health Organization, for example. So his perfect time. There's obviously some accusations, but like I say, I think I, I think from, from my perspective, you know, this was on on the cards. We thought it would be around September when it be finished. It's come before. Yes, I, I think I think I would agree with that assessment. Priti Patel, who's now the Home Secretary, of course, was Secretary of State for International Development, has made no secret of the fact she favours a merger, and of course, nor has the Prime Minister. I was doing some research just ahead of, of speaking with you. I saw Jeremy Hunt, who I think was the either previous but one or the previous Secretary of State for, for the Foreign Office, also made a statement to the effect that when weighing up uh, the pros and cons, he, he, he was in favour of the merger. 
and not least because he felt that with intense competition between countries in Africa, that this could be a genuine support to the UK's interests and partnership with Africa. Do you see it similarly? Do you think Britain will be more competitive and capable of forging stronger, closer partnerships with African countries as a consequence of, uh, of this merger? I think, in, in, in short, yes, I do. I think what you've seen over the last week is a lot of emotion, which is understandable, uh, given Diffid's history. You know, I think a week on now, discussion around this has probably been a bit more grounded around thinking about, okay, what opportunity does this provide us um, to take forward the global Britain agenda? And obviously, the global Britain agenda in Africa is particularly important. I think until now, that agenda hasn't been particularly tightly mean and aid in the national interest again you know, hasn't been too tightly defined and I think now is the great opportunity for that to happen with this merger so yeah I tend to agree with the comments of Jeremy Hunt that mm. you know this does offer that opportunity to take forward Britain's national interests in in Africa and I think you know those those national interests shouldn't be crudely seen to be about the UK's financial interests alone. I think national interest is about uh, national values and the way the UK advocates them overseas. Uh, it's about national security, and I think that's one in particular that, that you'll see being a sort of prominent feature of this uh, this merger. And then, of course, Britain's trade and investment interests as, as well. And certainly in relation to the national values, Jonathan, we're obviously in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, and this pandemic has really been notable for the absence of leadership globally and the lack of international coordination. What do we think will be the implications of this, in particular for how Britain engages with the international system as it seeks to push its global Britain agenda whilst executing its Brexit strategy? Can you tell us your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, it's definitely a hot topic right now in terms of what has the UK done to support that international effort in response to COVID-19 over the last six months. And certainly with this integration being, being one factor, but others too, what does that support look like going forward? Um, you know, we, we certainly feel, you know, from our perspective as a um, sort of bilateral um, partner of BFID and the SCO and, and others, that the UK's response, primary response until now, um, in relation to COVID-19, has been through the international system. So you've seen very big funding pledges made um, to UN organisations to, to gather them. And I think that's, that is understandable. Uh, I think in this situation, you, know, you do need that coordinated international response. But like you, um, you know, I, I look across, um, I've become a bit of a geek really of looking at how different countries are faring and how that correlates to the government responses. And the, I think the sort of success stories that you've seen globally of countries responding well to COVID have been, um, you know, very much domestic responses where governments have acted early, uh, within their own borders, um, to move into lockdown, to, to do testing, et cetera. So, yeah, lots of question marks as to whether that focus on the international system is delivering the results 
um, that, that are necessary. And I think that will become even more important um, following the announcement of, of last week, um, because to take forward that, that global Britain agenda, take forward our national interest, there is a big question mark as to whether funding, funding the multilateral system uh, is the right way to achieve that, given the you know the level of control, the level of visibility, um, level of accountability that multilateral organisations work to in comparison to commercial suppliers, not-for-profit suppliers, etc., that, that work uh, directly for for those departments. So yeah, I think in, in summary, yeah, the jury's out, and I think as we move into the economic recovery space phases of this, as opposed to just the immediate sort of health and humanitarian phase, um, those questions around the effectiveness of the multilateral system will become even more prominent in the debate around, uh, around the integration. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for joining us and sharing your insights about this recently announced merger and the implications in particular for, for, for Britain's partnerships with, with African countries. Really no great problem. Thanks time. very much, Marcus.